The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Why couldn't Jesus just show a little appreciation for how hard Martha was working? Just a little thank you for her toil and labor to show him this hospitality. Why couldn't he commend her efforts? Why couldn't he give her some credit for doing her best? Why couldn't he acknowledge that her heart was in the right place, even if she had grown a bit impatient, and that she was just trying to show him her love? Why did he have to say her name like that? Martha, Martha. The other times that he repeats someone's name, it's painful news. Simon, Simon, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Why didn't Jesus care that Mary wasn't helping out? Why didn't he try to keep the peace between the two of them? Can you imagine how much worse Martha feels now? Can you imagine her blood pressure rising, her face becoming flushed, and her impatience now turning into contempt for her sister? Why didn't Jesus negotiate a compromise? Why can't they all help out in the kitchen now and then sit down together a bit later to talk? Why doesn't he rebuke Mary just a little bit to balance things out? Surely she wasn't so pure-hearted that some part of her wasn't glad to avoid the trouble of serving. Why did he handle it the way he did? Jesus himself gives the answer. One thing is necessary. There is one thing that matters, and everything else is a distraction. There is one thing without which nothing else is good. There is one thing that makes the difference between darkness and light between hell and heaven, between death and life. One thing. It is the teaching of Jesus. It is hearing God's word. This is a rather unpopular notion in our world, that things should be so black and white, so exclusive, so insensitive. For there to be one most important thing, one truth, one source of life, one path, that leads to heaven, all that oneness is so constraining. And it is so offensive because it implies that even well-meaning, 
good-intentioned people like Martha are headed in the wrong direction. It implies that you don't get credit for your best effort, or for having your heart in the right place, or for trying, at least for trying, to love God in your own way. And that is so unreasonable. Even in math class, in which there are undeniably right and wrong answers, even in math class, you get some credit at least for showing your work. But not with Jesus. Not with things eternal and divine and holy. And if Martha doesn't get credit for trying to serve Jesus, what does that mean for us when we neglect God's word for other less noble reasons? There are so many things more glamorous than hearing God's word. There are so many things that have more obvious benefits that are far more gratifying than devoting ourselves to the scriptures. There are so many better ways to spend a Sunday morning and so many other things to think about when God's word is being preached and taught. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, if you're unconvinced that Jesus really is so unreasonable, remember what he himself said when he had been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted by the devil. And the devil made this simple, sensible suggestion. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus refused and answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was hungry for bread, but he was hungrier for God's word. So also were the crowds and crowds of people, the 5,000 and the 4,000, who followed Jesus out into a desert place to listen to him teach all the way to the end of the day, not thinking about their stomachs, not planning to leave before it became too late, but sustained by the good portion, the one thing necessary. They had taken to heart what Moses said so long ago. Moses said this, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. Why is it that God's word is the one thing necessary? It is because it's the one saving thing that endures forever. As long as the heavens are above the earth, and longer still, the promises of God's word remain. The promises secured by the death and resurrection of Jesus. The promises of forgiveness and life and salvation for you and your children and your children's children. Nothing else remains. Food offers a promise to sustain your body for a few days but it does not remain. Your body doesn't remain. Hospitality offers a promise of provision and comfort 
for a moment, but it does not remain. God's word offers a promise of freedom from sin, of reconciliation with God by the death of Jesus, of eternal life, holy and blameless, of rescue from sorrow and tears and suffering, of the perfect love of your heavenly Father, of your own love, perfected in Christ and brought to completion in you, perfect joy and blessedness and peace. God's word promises all of those things far better far more excellent, far richer in glory than mere food or sustenance or momentary comfort. And it remains forever. The one thing that lasts is God's word. And so it is the one thing that is necessary. And to miss it, to neglect it, to choose instead to attend to the distractions of life, the troubles and anxieties of this world. To do that is to be like the seed that was sown among thorns. It grew up, but as it grew, so did the thorns, and they choked it so that it bore no fruit. That is why Jesus rebuked Martha. Unless he rooted up the thorns surrounding her, she could bear no fruit. It was a gentle rebuke a loving rebuke. But that does not mean it didn't hurt. In fact, it probably hurt a lot. Martha thought that Jesus would be on her side, and that's why she brought her complaint to him. But Jesus didn't say it in order to hurt her. He said it because it was best for her. He said it because there was one thing she needed, and he wanted nothing more than to give it to her. That is what Jesus wants for you as well. That is what he is doing for you here this morning. He is giving you the one thing necessary in a divine service that is overflowing with his word. From beginning to end, you find yourselves sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching and receiving his promises and blessings. This morning, you find yourselves in the place of Mary, We don't hear Jesus say anything to Mary in our text, but in his rebuke of Martha, Jesus commends Mary for her attention to the one thing necessary. It is the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. He is, in fact, unreasonable about it. He will teach her. He will speak God's word to her at any cost. He's willing to suffer the appearance of unkindness and insensitivity. He's willing to look like an ungrateful guest, to set aside good manners, to risk pitting one sister against another. He's willing to do all of that to ensure that Mary has the one thing that she needs. And that is not the half of it. To ensure that you have the one thing you need. To guarantee that the promises of God's word are yours. What more could Jesus suffer than the burden of your sins? the curse and death required by the holiness of God? What more could he risk than his own most holy name, which he gives to you in baptism? What more could he offer than his own life, his very own flesh and blood? What greater love could there possibly be than the love that Jesus has for you? 
Blessed are you who hear the word of God and keep it. For one thing is necessary. You have chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.